navigating life through the Word of God. This is the Bethel Baptist Church Podcast. Hallelujah. It is so. And he'll do just what he said. Is there any witnesses in the house that in spite of what it may look like, no matter how many tears you had to cry, when it's all said and done with, he came through just like he said he would do. I don't know about you, but I'm so glad I serve a God that keeps his word. The Bible says that he's a man that he should not lie, neither the son of man that he should repent. But if God said it, he will do it. If he said it, he shall bring it to pass. Come on, let's give the Lord one more great big hand clap of praise. Amen. That's real cute, but now I want you to clap him like you're glad that he's brought you all the way down through 2019. Amen. Not just another year, but through a whole decade. Been a whole lot of heartache, been a whole lot of crime, been a whole lot of pain, but through it all, I can still lift my hand and say God is a good God. God is a merciful God. God is a graceful God, and for that, He's worthy of the glory, he's worthy of the honor, and he's worthy of the praise. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I'm going to try to get through this, but I just can't help but to look back over my life and the way it should have gone. But then I look at how it did go. I can't help but to give God glory. See, some of you, you may not have had a rough year, but there are some of us in here, we had some trying times. We had some rough times. We wasn't sure we was going to make it. But since we're here and since he brought us through, we vow and declare that God, I'll lift my hands and I'll give you all the glory. I'll give you all the honor and I'll give you all the praise. Because the truth of the matter is, if it had not been for the Lord who was on my side, where would I? Hallelujah. I just had to get that little bit off of me. Amen. Not feeling my best, but the fact of the matter is that I'm still able to make it out. The fact that I still have breath in my body and the activities of my limbs, it don't matter if I'm under the weather. The fact that I'm still able to stand and declare that God is good is enough for me to give him glory. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Glory be to the name of the Lord. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Joshua, Joshua chapter number three. Joshua chapter number three. And just so you don't get it twisted, uh, it's not just because we're going into a new year that I got to praise. <laughs> but I found out that every day is a day of thanksgiving. 
Because the truth of the matter is we still got about 49 more minutes, and those 49 minutes ain't promised to you, but with the time I do have left. Yes, sir. Hallelujah, Joshua. Chapter number three. New Living Translation, chapter number three, verse number one. I'm going to read down to verse number 11. When you have it, say amen. If you don't quite have it yet, say hold on. You ain't got your Bible, just say don't worry about it. That's just for the people who ain't said nothing all day. Ain't waved your hand. Ain't smile. But if you was on your sick bed, then you'd be disappointed that God didn't allow you to get out here. But one thing I've learned, if I got to do it all by myself, I've learned how to praise him without a cheering section, without an amen corner, because he's been just that good. Joshua chapter number three, verse number one says early the next morning, Joshua and all the Israelites left Acacia Grove and they arrived at the banks of the Jordan River where they camped before crossing. Three days later, the Israelite officers went through the camp giving these instructions to the people. When you see the Levitical priest carrying the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord your God, move out from your position and follow them. Verse 4 says, Since you have never traveled this way before, they will guide you. Stay about half a mile behind them, keeping a clear distance between you and the ark. Make sure you don't come any closer. Then Joshua told the people, purify yourselves. For tomorrow, the Lord will do great wonders among you. In the morning, Joshua said to the priests, lift up the ark of the covenant and lead the people across the river. And so they started out and went ahead of the people. The Lord told Joshua, today I will begin to make you a great leader in the eyes of all the Israelites. They will know that I am with you just as I was with Moses. Give this command to the priests who carry the Ark of the Covenant. When you reach the banks of the Jordan River, take a few steps into the river and stop there. So Joshua told the Israelites, come and listen to what the Lord your God says. Verse number 10 says, today you will know that the living God is among you. He will surely drive out the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Hivites, the Perizzites, the Girgashites, Amorites, and Jebusites, and any other site that is ahead of you. Verse 11 says, look. The Ark of the Covenant, which belongs to the Lord of the whole earth, will lead you across the Jordan River. Let's go back to verse number three, if you don't mind. Verse number three, one more time, says, giving these instructions to the people, when you see the Levitical priest carrying the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord your God, move out from your positions and follow them. I want to speak to you today from topic changed by his glory. Subtopic, 
keep following the glory. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you now for this day, for this is the day that you've made. We shall rejoice and be glad in it. We thank you, Father, for allowing us to come out one more time for another watch night service. For God, there were some that was with us on last year that aren't here with us this year. But God, you've kept us. And for that, we're grateful. So now, God, as we are assembled in this sacred place that we call the sanctuary, speak to us with clarity as only you can do. If there's one here tonight that does not know you in the free part of their sins, convict, convince, and persuade right now in the mighty name of Jesus. Father, help me now to preach and to teach your word with the Holy Ghost boldness, but not with an arrogance. Hide me now behind the cross so that the people will see none of me but all of thee. Now may the words of my mouth, meditation of my heart, be acceptable in thy sight. O Lord, you are my strength and my redeemer. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Changed by his glory. <clears throat> A lady was out. And she was hitting all the local garage sales one day. And she came across an old needlepoint picture that read, prayer changes lives. So she bought the picture and she took it home and she began to look for just the right place to hang uh, the new picture. And finally she decided that it went well in the dining room right over the dining room table. So with great pride, she admired her garage sale discovery and she could hardly wait to show it to her husband. So that evening when her husband arrived home from work, she showed the picture to him, uh, but he made no indication one way or another of his like or dislike of the new picture. So the next day, the lady was cleaning the house and she discovered that the new picture was gone. So she just kept cleaning the house only to discover that the picture was behind a bookcase. She thought that to be strange, but she just rehung the picture back in the dining room in its original location. Then the next day, to her dismay, she discovered that the picture was gone again. And sure enough, the picture was behind the bookcase once more. So when her husband arrived home, she confronted her husband and she asked him if he was displeased with this art uh, of the needlepoint, to which he uh, responded, uh, no, not at all. He said, it is a great work of art. So she continued, she said, is it the place? Do you not like the place that it is on? He said, no, not at all. It's a great place to hang it. So she concludes that it must be the message. And so she asked him, is it the message that you don't like? He says, no, not at all. It's a great message. Finally, she says, then what is the problem? He looked at her and just simply said, I don't like change. And my brothers and sisters, this illustration sums up the feelings of a lot of people. And the reason that I say this is because there are many people who will speak of change. There are many people who will advocate for change. There are even some people who will pray for change. But the moment change becomes reality, it becomes evident that everyone don't like change. In fact, I can stand here now and look out among the congregation for those who are members or regular attendees. And I can tell that you're in your favorite seat. 
But if I instructed the ushers to ask you to sit, some, sit somewhere else, right here in the house of the Lord, some of you will prove my point that everybody don't like change. <laughs> Whether that change is in our home, whether the change is on our job, whether the change is even in school, there's something about change that makes people uneasy. In the moment that change hits your organization, there are some people, to them it brings discomfort, discord, and even disagreement. But I've discovered that the reason people have an issue with change is not so much uh, that things are going to be different. But their issue with change is that they believe that they will lose something of value or fear they will not be able to adapt to the new ways. So rather than embrace change, some people will resist, rebel, and even resign. All out of fear that they may not adapt to whatever is coming their way. And I find this interesting because as much as people don't necessarily like change, at this time of the year, everybody began to make declarations about what they're going to change. <laughs> In other words, everybody comes up with a New Year's resolution. But ironically enough, by the end of the month, or by the end of the quarter, many have failed to keep their commitment to change. And before you start judging, many of us have been there before. And as much as we talk about change, as much as we advocate uh, change, and even as much as we pray for change, somehow, in some way, we keep slipping back into our old routines and bad habits that cause us to rebel, resist, and in some cases resign, rather to embrace change. I've said all of this to say to you that at 12.59 or 11.59, we can count down all we want. But the truth of the matter is, it's not a countdown that brings about change, but it's who you count on that will bring about change. If you depend on the countdown for change, there'll be a whole lot of people disappointed because the truth of the matter, some of the same problems you walked in here with at 12 o'clock, unless God does something miraculous, you'll have those same problems. So you can't look for the countdown, but there is someone you can count on. That's why the Bible says in Proverbs 3, 5, and 6, trust in the Lord with all your heart. Do not depend on your own understanding. Seek his will in all you do, and he will show you which path to take. When you trust the Lord and count on him to bring you out or to bring about change in your life, it gives you a different level of comfort and certainty when it comes to change. And this is evident in our text tonight. As Joshua and the children of Israel are dealing with, with change. I started reading in chapter number three, uh, but change did not start in chapter number three. 
uh, change started in Joshua chapter number one when the Lord said to Joshua, my Moses, my servant, is dead. Therefore, the time has come for you to lead these people, the Israelites, across the Jordan River into the land that I'm giving them. He said, I promise you what I promised Moses. Wherever you set foot, you will be on land that I have given you. God is bringing about a change in the lives of Joshua and in the lives of the children of Israel. But look at how he brings about the change. Uh, we read it, and I'm not going to read it all again, but the first three verses says, early the next morning, Joshua and all the Israelites left Acacia Grove. They camped before crossing, uh, uh, where they camped before crossing. Three days later, the Israelite officers went through the camp giving these instructions to people. When you see the Levitical priest carrying the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord your God, move out from your positions and follow them. The people of Israel were informed to follow the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord. Now, in case you don't know what the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord is, it is a representation of the presence of God and the glory of God. So, in essence, the Israelites are instructed to follow the glory of God, and his glory is going to usher them into their change. And allow me to pause here parenthetically to inform a few of you that in your efforts to change, be careful not to follow after popularity. Be careful not to follow after prosperity. Be careful not to follow after prominence. Because oftentimes those things can lead to a change for the worse. And if you're not careful, instead of bringing you closer to God, they'll easily become your God. So in seeking change, if we're going to seek to follow something, we must seek to follow the glory of God. Watch this, because when you follow after his glory, his glory will usher you into change. It will bring about a change in your life that even you had not imagined. Uh, there's some witnesses in here right now. We're not going to talk about it much. We'll talk about it a little later, but if I was to pose some people, uh, they would begin to tell you the way I was living back then. If you had told me I'd be living the life I'm living now, I wouldn't have even believed it. But, but, but God, God has a way of taking you from one place to another. But you have to learn how to lean on his presence. You have to learn how to follow his glory. And this is what's taking place here in the text. The children of Israel are instructed to follow after his glory, and it is then that they begin to experience change. Verse number six says this, in the morning Joshua said to the priests, lift up the ark of the covenant and lead the people across the river. And so they started out and they went ahead of the people. Uh, they are now headed across the Jordan River, and the priests are leading the way. And as soon as they start following the glory, Joshua and the children of Israel begin to experience this change. And then in verse seven it says this, the Lord told Joshua today, I'll begin to make you a great leader in the eyes of all of the Israelites. They will know that I am with you just as I was with Moses. He told Joshua today, I'll begin to make you a great leader. In the King James Version, it says, I will begin to magnify thee. Uh, this word magnify in the Hebrew comes from the word gadol, which means to grow up, to exceed, or increase. Uh, so in other words, the Lord is about to transform Joshua into the leader he has called him to be. And this brings me to my first point tonight, and that is when you are changed by his glory, your transformation will be spiritual. See, by following or pursuing after the glory of God, Joshua did not have to try to be someone 
that he wasn't. But God made him into the leader he called him to be. He told Joshua that after he makes him a great leader, everybody will know that I am with you as I was with Moses. So here it is. For those of you who came here tonight just looking for a word that you can carry into 2020. When God transformed you into who and what he has called you to be, you won't have to try and prove yourself to anybody because God is going to make sure that everybody know your change did not come from popularity, it did not come from prosperity, and it did not come from prestige, but your change came from pursuing his glory and being in his presence. Is there anybody in here you didn't know which way to go, you didn't know how you was going to make it out, but somehow, some way, you made your way into a worship mode, and when his presence showed up, uh, everything about you began to change your attitude, began to change your character, began to change, because when the glory comes in the room, it will usher you into change. I, I like this because here it is, the Bible lets us know, watch this, that if we're going to be changed, if we're going to be transformed, there has to be a spiritual transformation. That's why the Bible says in Romans chapter number 12, verses 1 through 2, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service, and be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind, that ye may prove what is that good and acceptable perfect will of God. I've come tonight to let you know that yes, God has a plan for you, and yes, your season of change is on the way, but sometime before God deals with your season, he has to deal with your spirit. See, we shout a Sunday because we talked about our season is changing, uh, but everybody's season is not going to change at the same time. Uh, because some of you are not ready to walk into what God has for you because you still mean, ugly, and discontent. Ooh, this, this ain't what I came to hear for New Year's. It's what you're going to get. Because where God wants to take you, he has to first transform you because if he don't transform you, you will mess up everything that he has set up. The transformation has to be spiritual. Watch this, which means there are some carnal things you got to get rid of. See, you can't think that you're going to walk into that blessing God has for you just by swapping out one night of watch night for a night of the club. Okay, okay, hold on, church people, before you start judging those who came for the night. Just because you come to church on Sunday and raise hell all week long, does not mean that God is ready to bless you. There's some purging. There's some things that God has to do. There's some situations that he has to bring you through so that you'll be ready to handle what he's taking you to. In other words, watch this. In order for you to receive a spiritual transformation, you're going to have to be committed to a spiritual life. So if you're going to be transformed by his glory, you're going to have to learn to commit to the word of God. You have to learn to commit to the will of God, and you have to learn to commit to worshiping God. And then you'll begin to notice a change from the glory of God. Is there anybody in here tonight that can attest to the fact that when you commit to God, he will honor his commitment to you? Okay, see, I'm going to talk about me because it's already quiet. But I can remember when I had one foot in, 
and one foot out. Don't try to figure out when it was. That's between me and God. I see your wheels turning now. What are you about to tell us? Nothing. Other than when I made up my mind that God, for you I live and for you I die. When I made up my mind, God, wherever you say go, I'll go. Whatever you say, I'll say. Whatever you say to do, I'll do. When I made up my mind, that's when God began to bring all those promises that he gave to me to fruition. Because God is not going to bless you when you halfway in and halfway out. Well, pastor, I beg to differ because I got a real good job. I got a real nice car. I got a real nice house. Can I tell you what the Bible say? The Bible says it rains on the just and on the unjust. The sun shines on the just and on the unjust. There are some things that are just a law. If you give, it shall be given back to you. Press down, shaking together and running over. Baby, that's not a blessing. That's the law of reciprocity. But the blessing is when everybody else around you can't seem to be blessed by a job, can't seem to be blessed financially, can't seem to get their healing. But you're walking around here in good health, not because you know somebody they don't know, but because you committed yourself. We've gone through too many transformations that were not spiritual. Woo, it's finna get tight. And some people I can tell when you left one relationship and started another. Cause you start to act like whoever it is you hooked up to. Woo, it's tight, but it's right. Watch this. I'm not just talking about, watch this, your boo or your bae. Sometimes you got to be careful who you hang with. Because before you know it, you start picking up things that you don't even normally do. Okay, case the point, I got a partner of mine. Every time I say something, he agrees, say that right there. I'm like, what in the world? That right there. And then one day my other friend said something to me, I say that right there. What the world? Because you pick up things if you ever pay attention. So you have to be mindful of the transformations that you go through. One day you feel like a nut. Sometimes you don't. But if you're going to have a transformation, it needs to be a spiritual transformation. The text shows that when you follow the glory, his glory will usher you into the change, into your change and your transformation and your transformation will be spiritual. But secondly, secondly, when you are changed by his glory, not only will your transformation be spiritual, but your transition will be smooth. I got to take my time right here. Look back in the text, verses 14 through 17. It says this, so the people left their camp to the cross, to cross the Jordan and the priests who were carrying the Ark of the Covenant went ahead of them. It was the harvest season, and the Jordan was overflowing its banks. But as soon as the feet of the priests who were carrying the Ark touched the water at the river's edge, the water above that point began backing up a great distance away at a town called Adam, which is near Zarethan. And the water below that point flowed on to the Dead Sea until the riverbed was dry. Then all the people crossed over near the town of Jer Jericho. Meanwhile, the priests who were carrying the Ark of the Lord's Covenant stood on dry ground in the middle of the riverbed as the people passed by. They waited there until the whole nation of Israel crossed Jordan on dry ground. Uh, somebody said, what was all that he just read? 
I need for you to understand that Joshua and the children of Israel are being led to their promised land. But in order for them to get there, they have to endure the uncertainty and the trepidation of transition. In other words, yes, you have a promise from God, but there are some things you're going to have to get, go through to get to your promise. That, that there's a transition period in your life that has to take place in order for God to get you where he has designed for you to be. Okay, somebody still don't get it. Watch this. They, 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 they are crossing the Jordan River. And the Bible says that they're crossing the Jordan River during harvest season, which means that the river is overflowing. And in case you don't know, this is dangerous. But here's the part that gets me. A whole nation has to cross this river. Now, the Bible don't say this. This is my interpretation. So you can take it or leave it. But I just don't believe a whole nation of people know how to swim. Everybody in here don't know how to swim. How you know? Because I watched some of you doing baptism. Beating the deacons up. Y'all yeah, have to go there every once in a while because it's already late. You already got people to sleep in church, but it's 1130. They really hit it. I ain't going to point out. I just tried to wake them up. But watch this. Here's my point. If everybody can't swim, but everybody got across the Jordan, it put fear in some people. And even if there were some who were not fearful, there were some who were concerned because they were connected to some who couldn't swim. And if that's not enough, the river is overflowing. I went through all of that to say this. They have a, prob a promise in their ear, but they got problems in their eyes. <laughs> what do you do when all you can do is hear the promise but see your problem? See, y'all waiting on me to hoop. I ain't got it tonight. <laughs> but what I do have is something that's going to help you get over your problem. Watch this. That, that, there's a problem between them and their promise. And you don't have to judge the children of Israel that way because you got some promises in your life, but instead of you seeing your promises, all you can see is your problems. How do you handle it when you got an ear full of promise but an eye full of problems? And it would be enough if the promise was just for me because I can swim. But I got to find a way to help everybody else. Have you ever had to help people when you had your own problems? A whole nation has to cross a river 
that's overflowing. But here's what I like about it. God wants them to understand you can't have your promise until you're willing to face your problem. He says, tell the children of Israel to get up. Get the ark. Tell the priest, grab the ark. I want them to take three steps in and stop. He did not tell them, don't worry about the water. He did not say, I got your back. He didn't say, nothing's going to harm you. The only thing he told them was take my glory. See, the reason some of you can't face your problems is because the glory you experience on Sunday, you leave it here. Uh Oh! And as soon as you get out the door, stuff starts to overflow. But God is saying, if you ever learn to follow the glory, I promise you, your problem won't bother you. Okay, see, see, let let, let me see if I can help you. God sometimes has to remind us of just who he is. The same way he had to remind the Israelites who he was. Isaiah chapter number 43, verses 16 and 17, he says, I am the Lord who opened the way through the waters making a dirty path through the sea. I called forth the mighty army of Egypt with all its chariots and horses. I drew them beneath the waves, and they drowned. Their lives snuffed out like the smoldering candlewick. God reminds the Israelites, I know you ain't tripping over this Jordan River. Because not too long ago, it was much bigger than the river. It was a sea. And if I made a way, then surely I can make a way now. But, but here's what I like, because that was verse 16 and 17 in Isaiah 43. But after he reminded them, he went on to say this in the next couple verses. But forget all that. It's nothing compared to what I'm going to do now. For I am about to do something new. See, I've already begun. Do you not see it? I will make a pathway through the wilderness. I will create rivers in the dry wasteland. In other words, God is reminding us that there is nothing too hard for him. If you would just trust in him during your time of transition and know that he has your best interest at heart, you will indeed experience a smooth transition. Uh, The children of Israel had to cross the Jordan River during the harvest season while the river was overflowing. But look at what God did. We read it earlier. It said that when the priest who was carrying the ark feet touched the water, the water began backing up until the bed of the river was dry. Then all the people crossed over near the town of Jericho. See, when you allow the glory to go before you, he will see to it that nothing hinders your transition from your place of problem to your place of promise. But you got to make sure to follow the glory. That's why it's a dangerous thing to sit here and act like ain't nothing going on when the glory falls. You better learn how to tap in. You better learn how to recognize the presence of the Lord. You can't wait on your favorite preacher. You can't wait on your favorite deacon. You can't wait on your favorite singer. But just as soon as you feel his presence, you ought to lift your hands and say, God, thank you for visiting 
in us, God, I know that you're here. I can sense your Holy Spirit. And when you sense him, the Bible says, watch this, that when you're in his presence, you can begin to act. Who of you go to the grocery store, order groceries, and leave them there? Sounds dumb, don't it? It's not, I don't like that word, dumb. It's not as bad, or it's just as bad as you coming to church and leaving everything you get during the service in the place you were sitting. God is saying, I've given you a blueprint, but you only look at it on Sundays. Watch this. In Sundays, it's the day you really don't need it because you're surrounded by everybody else who's got enough strength to carry you through. But when you're by yourself and you're weak, he said, that's when you need it. So I love this particular story. Watch this. I know this is not your typical night watch or watch night, but I need you to understand something. Time out for thinking things are going to change with the calendar. If things change with the calendar, why are we here every year? God says, stop counting on the calendar and start counting on me. He, he reminded the children of Israel, you're going to have to go through some things, but there's nothing you haven't been through before. <laughs> Is there anybody here ever had your back up against the wall? Let's just be real. We can be real, say we can be super spiritual, but the truth of the matter is when something hits you, sometimes your first impulse is not to pray. Sometimes your first impulse is not to worship. Sometimes you start to complain. Sometimes you start to cry. Sometimes you start to worry. But then you look back over your life. <laughs> And you realize this is not my first time in trouble. And if he rescued me back then, he'll do the same thing for me now. Okay, I got to go. I said I wasn't doing all that. Watch this. So here it is. Got to get ready to go. We got about 14 minutes. So I got to get ready to let you go. But I need you to know that when you've been changed by his glory, your transformation will be spiritual. When you've been changed by his glory, your transition will be smooth. But lastly, when you've been changed by his glory, your testimony will be sound. Okay, Joshua chapter 4, verse 1 through 3 says this. When all the people had crossed the Jordan, the Lord said to Joshua, Now choose 12 men, one from each tribe. Tell them, take 12 stones from the very place where the priests are standing in the middle of the Jordan. Carry them out and pile them up at the place where you're going to camp at tonight. All of that sounds really insignificant until you drop down and read verses 21 through 23. There it says this, Then Joshua said to the Israelites, In the future, your children will ask, 
what do these stones mean? Then you can tell them, this is where the Israelites crossed the Jordan on dry ground. For the Lord your God dried up the river right before your eyes, and he kept it dry until you were all across, just as he did at the Red Sea when he dried it up until we all had crossed over. The children of Israel, they were commanded to take 12 rocks out of the Jordan River so that they can share the testimony of how the Lord changed the quality of life. And God does not require one thing of certain people and not require it of the rest of us. If he requires for the children of Israel to let everybody know what these stones mean in their life. If he wants them to go back and tell somebody that if it had not been for the Lord who was on my side, I wouldn't be here today. If, if he wanted them to know that God is still the God of the impossible, if he wanted them to tell somebody, he wants you and I to tell somebody. But the problem is, we've done the opposite of what he wants us to do. So when we see somebody else just walking around here hooked on cocaine, we want to judge them instead of telling them how God brought you out of the same situation. When we see somebody who's been in prison, instead of judging them, we let them know, if not for the grace of God, there go I. When you see the single mother walk in with three kids, instead of shaking your head and saying, that's a crying shame, you ought to be able to testify and say, baby, I had three kids just like you. I was on welfare at one time, but the God I served brought me from there to here. Is there anybody in the church that's not ashamed of your testimony? Is there anybody in this church that'll open your mouth and tell somebody, baby, you don't know my story. I know I look like I got it all together now, but there was a time I was a wretch undone. There was a time I wasn't fit to live, wasn't ready to die. But God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believes in him shall not perish, but have everlasting life. I was on my way to a burning hell, but I'm so glad that somebody told me that if I believe in my heart, if I confess with my mouth that Jesus is the son of God, that he died on the cross for my sins, that they placed him in a borrowed tomb. And then on the third day, early on that Sunday morning, he got up with all power in his hand. And because he got up, I'm able to get up out of depression. Because he got up, I'm able to get up out of addiction because he got up. I'm able to get up out of fornication. You got to open up your mouth and tell somebody where God brought you from because the Bible says and they overcame him by the blood of the lamb and by the word of their testimony. Perhaps you hit a night and you feel as though your testimony it's not big enough. It's not a big deal. But I want you to know 
that after all the hell you went through last year, that's enough testimony to tell somebody if the devil had his way, I'd be dead and gone. But God, who is full of mercy, stepped in and blocked it and wouldn't let it be so. Is there anybody in this building that feel like I feel that when I look back over my life and I see all the ways he made, when I look back over my life and see all the doors he opened that no man can close, I have to open up my mouth and tell somebody about his goodness, how he picked me up at the muck and the miry clay, placed my feet on a rock to stay. That's a testament of his goodness, how he kept me through dangers, both seen and unseen. That's a testament of his goodness, how he forgives me for my sins and separates me from my sins as far as the east is from the west. That's a testament of his goodness. And because he's been so good to me, I made up my mind that I bless the Lord at all times and his praise shall continually be in my mouth. My soul, oh my soul, shall make a boast in the Lord. The humble shall hear thereof and be glad. Oh magnify the Lord with me. I can do it by myself, but it's better together. Cause one can put a thousand to flight, but two ten thousand to flight. So oh, magnify the Lord with me and let us exalt his name together. Why am I exalting his name? Cause I called, oh I called, I called on the Lord and he heard my every groan. And now I can say, oh taste, and see that the Lord, he's good. Cause he changed me from the inside out. He changed my attitude. He changed my character. He changed my mindset. And he changed it. Cause I made up in my mind. I'll follow him through the end of the world. Is there anybody? Once in a while, when you get discouraged, I dare you just to stop, turn around, and look how far he bought me from. Because he bought me 
and he bought you from a mighty long way. May not be where I want to be, but thank God. I'm not where I used to be. The church has become too conceited. And we want everybody to think we've always had it together. But somebody needs to hear your testimony. Somebody needs to know you didn't always ride in a nice automobile. But you had to get in on the passenger side and slide all the way across the seat to the driver's side. But through it all, he kept you. Somebody need to know that you had to go home and share a can of beans because it wasn't always filet mignon. But through it all, he provided. Somebody needs to know that cancer can be defeated. And the only way they'll know is that you say, hey, look at me. I'm a living, walking, breathing testimony that even when the doctor said no, God still said yes. God has the final say. So I said all of that to say this, as we're three minutes away from a new year, if God did not deliver what you thought he should deliver, instead of being disappointed at 12 o'clock, I need for you to get in position and just grab your promise and just drag it from 2019 all the way into 2020 and let God know I'm not giving up on you I still believe you I still take you at your word I am holding on and I won't let go of my faith it is a trick of the enemy to make you think that God didn't do it this year that he's not going to do it here's the truth of the matter we are the only ones concerned about time does not operate in time. He operates in eternity. In fact, the Bible says he's already ceased from his works. Okay, somebody don't know what that means. That means many, 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 many years ago, God stepped over into 2020 and he saved your child. He healed your body. He gave you your finances and he went back many, 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 many years ago and then he said, do you trust me? Do you believe it's already done? Can you shout off for credit? I need everybody in here that believe in God for something to open up your mouth, not because we're about to go into 2020, but because it's already done. Come on, don't stop. Don't stop. Don't stop. We're going to make the devil out of a lie. We got about 58 seconds left in 2019. And we're not shouting because 2020 is bringing our blessing. 
but we're shouting because God allowed us to see one more year, one more chance to cross all our T's, one more chance to dot all of our I's, one more chance to forgive our enemies, one more chance. Come on, open your mouth. Open your mouth. Come on, open your mouth. We got about 21 seconds. Somebody let the enemy know that you shall not be defeated. Now, if you got a promise that did not come to pass in 2019, you got about eight seconds. Get in position and just drag it. Three. You got two seconds. You got one. Tell somebody, Happy New Year, and let them know I'm going to drag my promise from 2019 into 2020. another decade through many dangers seen and unseen he made sure we understood that no weapon formed against us shall prosper and every tongue that rise against us in judgment thou shalt condemn somebody the doctor told you you wouldn't make it to this point but you ought to look at the enemy and say I'm here another year that the Lord has kept me Hallelujah. 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 I don't know about you, but I don't take it for granted. There's many people who waited for this day that didn't get to see it. But God kept each and every one of us. And it's not because we deserved it, but because of his grace and his mercy. It's only because of his grace and his mercy that we were not consumed. So we're going to get ready to leave, but not before we get the opportunity. Perhaps you're here today, and you say, Pastor, not because it's 2020, but because I heard you say to follow the glory to your change. Tonight is my night of change. If you're here today, and you don't know the Lord, you free pardon of your sins, what must I do to be saved? I told you in the sermon, all you have to do is...